And that's a wrap on our Freddy Got Fingered episode. All right. I hope you guys like it. Yeah. Oh, the red light just went on? Yeah, what? Wait, it wasn't on the whole time? This is the third time we tried to re-record that one. Oh, well. Hey, Marcus, you like movies? I did until we just lost this episode. Oh, well. Well, I like movies, too. This is Zebras in America, a movie podcast uh, inspired by the film Freddy Got Fingered, which we tried to just record an episode, but apparently it got erased. How are you feeling today? I'm okay. I'm feeling uh, it's uh, post-birthday stuff. Um, new Sean Price album came out, so I'm very happy. I'm happy that it's really good. You, and, you um, turned 47 yeah. yesterday. Minus 11, but yeah. <laughs> happy birthday to Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to Michael Shannon as well, yep. and Charlize Theron, David Duchovny, Nicholas Ray. I share a birthday with some with some cool people. Jesus, I got like Puff Daddy and when Yitzhak Rabin got assassinated. Oh man, damn. That's my... Your your list is your list is is so good. I'm picturing a Nicholas Ray directed movie starring Michael Shannon, David Duchovny, and Charlize Theron. Yeah, it's got to be like, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of like crazy love triangle. Yeah, crazy love like triangle. A... But it just reminded me. I I probably, ah, you know, it's a long time ago, and I'm not naming names, but okay, my my friends. Ex fiance cheated on him with David Duchovny. Oh man! Yeah. So he always had a trouble with David Duchovny. I would too. What the yeah. fuck? Well, you know, it takes it takes it takes two to tango. David Duchovny didn't necessarily know that she was betrothed. Yeah, I guess it's funny. I have a similar thing on two. two David, separate... David David Duchovny made you a cuckold. Uh, no, it's similar. It's just similar in the sense that. Although I love most of his albums, I've always had an issue with Jay with the damager because on two separate occasions, two different girls I had crushes on, two different parts of the country, he um, stepped in and kind of cockblocked me. Not without knowing me, it's just funny how that worked out. Yes, um, very, uh, you yeah. know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to name names. The second time I said that, but a girl, <laughs> I, a girl I liked a lot way back in the day, mm-hmm. definitely stopped seeing me. To see a, a way more successful producer, and certainly, I don't think on purpose, rubbed it in my face, but it certainly felt like it at the time. Hey man, but hey, um, unrelated, mm-hmm. but um, did you ever see the movie? Um, crap, Brazil. Of course, uh, we're talking about Terry Gilliam. Yeah, is there another Brazil movie? Yes. No. But there's like all these different iterations of it. But yeah, generally speaking, yeah. The, the movie that we all know and love. Oh yeah. Central I services. I want to work for the government. Do you know that song? No. Um, LP and Camuteu, rest in peace, made an EP called Central Services. Yep. And is um, some of my favorite music of theirs. The song yeah, I want to work little... for the government is so oh, good. Then, okay, I haven't listened to it in a while, so I guess. Uh... Because I was thinking about Brazil today, and 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 bureaucracy and um, a lot of things. Because um, I'm reading this book called The New Prophets of Capital, mm-hmm. um, and it's sort of like uh, 
It's uh, it's it's by Nicole Ashoff, who works at Jacobin Magazine, and it's really good. And it looks at um, Oprah Winfrey, Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook, Bill and Melinda Gates, and the dude uh, who owns Whole Foods, John Mackey. Mm-hmm. And it basically looks and discusses the modern myth myth of like conscious capitalism and like. You know, get your get your you can get yourself up by the bootstraps capitalism and and anal, by analyzing its heroes. You know, okay. like Oprah Winfrey, yeah, who's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you. What's keeping you from succeeding is you, and like Whole Foods is like we can just by being better, capitalism can be great. And uh, or um, Sam uh, Cheryl Sandberg, who's who's <clears throat> like, well, we just need more women bosses, but doesn't. Taken to the fact that, like, when Margaret Thatcher she was a boss, there were lots of women who were not treated well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting somewhere, I promise. Sure. It's And it's a really good book. I recommend it. And also, uh, while she was, she the book is in Chicago-style citations, so the citations are at the bottom of the page. Oh, okay. As opposed to, like, other citation formats where it's usually at the back or whatever Mm -hmm. so historical books often stuff that does you know and um one of the citations reminded me to see a movie that i hadn't seen Mm -hmm. um called pervert's guide to ideology yes have you seen that Uh, movie with slav slavaj zizek yes okay i I, I was pausing only because i was trying to like say his name right but yeah we got it yeah did you see that movie yes i did i saw it at ifc actually so i watched that i rewatched i watched that and one thing that I liked is there's a moment where it goes over the same airplane graveyard that was shown in entertainment. I never caught that. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're yeah, um, uh, and it's like this. I don't want to call it a documentary, even though it's called a documentary, because mm-hmm. really it's just like a presentation on how movies relate to the human condition. Mm-hmm. So I don't think of it as a documentary, <coughs> though it's called a documentary. Oh, that's what. You, okay. Yeah, and it's documentary-ish. It's documentary-esque. Yeah. Esque. It reminded me of another movie, but I don't want to go there yet. Okay. Um, and what I really liked, aside from the fact that he calls film film. Yeah. It's like, uh, watch this nice film. Yeah. Is his love for They Live. Mm-hmm. Which is, no contest, my favorite John Carpenter movie. It's up to, I've never taken the time to like rank, but it's it's in the top. You and I are the cream of the crop. You and I aren't like, you know, crazy Jim Car- John Carpenter heads, right? Like, there, there's kind of. Oh, I thought for some reason I didn't think you were. No, I just uh, <laughs> I don't like to post on Facebook about it or, or Twitter about it, like a lot of pe- pe- people do. But no, I think in in the last few years, I really got into his work mainly because I think. Uh, three years ago, a little over three years ago, bam, Brooklyn Academy of Music did a retrospective on his entire filmography. I thought bam was the museum dedicated to Emerald Lagasse. No, this is the Brooklyn Academy of Music and, uh, no, the, the, the movie theater part, bam's, uh, Cinematheque. Cinematheque, like, yeah. like Robotech? Kind of. Yo, what if there was a sequel? Those are some good action figures. They by really the way. are, but what if there was a sequel called Hobotech? <laughs> it was like like hipster bohemians, like with with alcohol in their boots, but also they're mechanized. You sound like that um, Wonder Shows and skit. Um, <laughs> what was the uh, 
It was GI Bro. GI Bro, yeah. Where they basically, it was like a homeless guy that got turned into like a RoboCop guy. I mean, Wonder Chosen is a show that I very much like, and the lesser loved but by the same guys, Doggy Fizzle Televizzle, is a show mm-hmm. I really do love. And co-created too, also by one half of the creators of that show. He's the voice of Towie on South Park, so that's a little, another random uh, little tidbit. Oh no! But what I was saying was, yeah, I just took you no, way no, off fine. path. At, at, at that John Carpenter uh, retrospective, I couldn't make any of the known movie like all like. But then I realized, oh, this is stuff I've seen a million times and watch like so like the thing Escape from New York, sure, or they they live. These are the movies that like I've watched a million bazillion times. But then like. I went and saw, you know, Escape from L.A. on the big screen. Uh, not as bad. Not, not as bad as I didn't say yeah. it's great. I mm-hmm. said it's not as bad as people say it is. Even, but 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 regardless, I saw his more like like I watched uh, Ghost of Mars and enjoyed the shit out of that on the big screen, and then like um, you know, Memoirs of, of of an Invisible Man. While that's that has the famous whatever notoriety of being the only John Carpenter film to not say John Carpenter is such and such. I sure. still enjoyed that. So I went back. I watched throughout the the couple of weeks of that retrospective. Went. I watched his like lesser known movies, and I went back and watched more of his known movies. And I'm, I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of his. And then um, I'm also a huge fan as as if anyone who follows me on Twitter, I'm big into this movie called Pontypool, which yeah. a friend of the show. Uh, and future guest uh, Patrick Horvath loves that movie as well. I think that's one of the movies where we really connected on. Pontypool, while it, it's his own movie and it has its own kind of intelligent sci-fi aspect over over my head the first time I saw it, it's still very much The Thing-esque. And I know The Thing's a remake, but the John Carpenter Thing-esque where it's like people are snowed in, the yeah. snowstorm, super bloody, gory, special vi- visual effects. So... um a lot of times, anytime I watch Pontypool, which is a lot, I'm always thinking about the thing and, and comparisons and stuff like that. So okay, no, I thought no, I wasn't. You know, not that I didn't enjoy your monologue about why you like John Carpenter because mm-hmm. I did. Cool. I wasn't suggesting that you didn't. I just I thought I remember you saying that you weren't like, you know, because people people are like very people that are into him are very into him. That's true. There's that like there's like a cult of it. I went to see um, my friend gave me a ticket to one of his live concerts. Oh yeah, yeah. I sent I sent I sent you a video that. from it. Oh, I don't remember. Sorry. It's all good. It was when we were we were talking about starting a podcast, mm-hmm. and, and I I had just been in all these weird things. Like I had just gone to see um, Breaking the Waves, the opera, and then I had gone to see. But I think we had talked about Breaking the Waves, the opera. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a movie yeah. based off of a movie by um, Mr. Lars uh, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Close. Um, but no, I'm just being. I'm very that movie. Fucking um, the perversion, the perverts guide to ideology just got me super extra in my mind. But yeah, like I think John Carpenter is really good, and I think he's as good. Like. You know he surpasses his genre, so that makes him extra good. Yeah. And um, assault on precinct eleven is like thirteen. Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about the sequel, prequel. The prequel. Yeah, <laughs> dog. Oh. WPIX. No, assault on precinct thirteen, the original one, um, is like a major inspiration on electronic music. 
So John Carpenter, oh, John course, Carpenter's, man, John Carpenter's like he scored all of his movies except for The Thing, which was scored by Ennio Morricone, and um, it is one of the better scores of his movies, but for different reasons. But he just like he just he was using different means to make some really cool early electronic music, or even even we didn't even talk about um, Little China Showdown. Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble China. in Little China. Yeah. The music is so good yeah. in that movie. But um, no matter what, I'm just a sucker for They Live. They Live is excellent. And I'm not just saying that because it stars a wrestler. You, it, it could star someone of equal whatever. Rest in peace, Roddy Piper. But yeah, that, yeah it's a really I think good it's movie. great because it stars Roddy Piper. Sure. Roddy Piper's sure. performance in that movie is goes beyond... <laughs> It's because it, his character is perfectly portrayed by a professional wrestler. Yeah. And obviously there's like the nine minute fight. Between him and Keith David. Him, who him, also him and Keith that, David. A, a John Carpenter regular. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, think, su- I think it's so much more than that nine minute fight. Oh, of course, of course. I'm always surprised given Vince McMahon loves to cash in why he didn't try to do some crossover or offer Keith David some kind of temporary wrestling contract because he held he first of all he, he's a, I mean he's a little older now but he was a big guy then if you saw him stand he's just a big barrel chested guy um, classically trained actor but he's also a large guy I'm surprised you know just like with Vince McMahon whenever one of his wrestlers is in a movie he always does some crossover to wrestling well and, yeah I mean the kick ass know. and chew bubblegum thing was was part of Roddy Roddy Piper's on um, stage kayfabe of course if you will yeah for a long time yeah and I, if I remember correctly that was also in They Live Hmm? I'm here to I'm here to yeah. kick ass and chew bubblegum and I'm all oh, I thought you I thought you meant that's in they live when you were talking about wrestling. Oh it's no, I'm saying, I'm saying when he yeah. came when he came back mm-hmm. he he was he was using that tagline. I actually don't remember I remember him saying that. I don't remember it was after, but it would make sense that he would say It was that around the, it was like in ninety four. Yeah. When um when uh, King of the Ring was a was a game on Genesis. Nice King of the Ring. And yeah. um do you like the song um, uh, "Sweet Chin Music" by Milo? Yes, I do. Actually, I'm it's, a big I'm a big Milo fan. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. great. Yeah, he's like, um, you know, trying to find inner truths with <clears throat> chicken fried rice and fruits. Yeah, I just I just love that guy. He's a yeah. young guy. He's really good. Um, but yeah, like they live is like obviously an anti-consumerism film. Um, Absolutely. Hot Hot Rod Roddy Piper plays this. Um, loner who goes into this like commune, tries to get work, um, finds these sunglasses, mm-hmm. which um, when he puts them on, the world gets black and white, and he finds out that like the world is being taken over by consumerist aliens. Sure. And then it, so it's yeah, it's like not even like subtly a a leftist film. No, and I you know I think it should be noted too that prior to him finding the sunglasses. His, even though he's he's a drifter, he's kind of down and out. He's still very like optimistic towards America and the yeah. American dream. Like he, there, there's a few lines at the beginning of the movie. It was just like, eh, my time will come, or everyone's time will come. You just got to work hard. You gotta, it's like all this generic stuff that like you're you're spoon fed or force fed. Um, so I always like that because th- it's not, you know, it's not about this guy who's like a conspiracy theorist or he's a skeptic. He's no. just this, and then like he, and then immediately it's like, whoa, holy shit, you know. No, I think I think I think what makes for better stories are the people who are transformed due to situation. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because obviously someone who's like, the, the government is out to get me, he might not even know, he might already assume those glasses exist. Like, people that are that are conspiracy nuts, no one would believe them. Yeah. But, I mean, no one believes him in that movie. He, has to, he gets into, like, <clears throat> a, gets into a nine-minute fight yeah. to, to get him to put on the sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, the, that fight has been uh, made fun of or parodied in many, many iterations of entertainment. Of I mean, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's a great movie. It's possible you haven't seen it because maybe you think that, like, early early 90s or late 80s Ladies. kitsch kitsch isn't for you. But, you know, it's a great movie. It, I It's my favorite John Carpenter movie. And possibly... <clears throat> Like one of my favorite sci-fi movies. If I could also say too, even down, this is a weird kind of thing, but even down for the most part, down to like even the wardrobe, there's something a little timeless about that movie. Like, yeah, it was made in '87, but it doesn't like you could watch it now and just be like, eh, people just wear like jeans and like a sweatshirt or like a flannel. There's something about it too where you, it doesn't. The movie doesn't feel dated. Basically, I'm just it's like a long-winded way of saying that I, I feel. And like even when we're in that kind of like black and white world with the glasses it's very sterile and like even that science sci-fi depiction is very uh timeless to a certain degree because it, it like it's not even it's like a literally like a flying saucer like kind of this like i don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek or a little bit maybe but it's not like flying cars and like laser guns and just an abundance of that stuff it's like a science fiction film without all the like typical to, to film, film. Without all the science uh, fiction stuff, like shoved, typical stuff, like kind of like shoved, shoved down your throat. That, that's also what I really like about it. Sort of how the much loved movie we talked about last week, New Rose Hotel, is a yes, sci-fi they, movie. There you go. Absolutely. Without many of the trappings. Absolutely. Also, I realized we didn't even really talk much about Asia Argento's uh, amazing performance in that movie last no, week. No, we didn't. So she's really great in that movie. <clears throat> yeah, she is. She's um, she's an important key to the film. Um, she bring, it's also that specific role in that character there's like a bit of like not a bit a lot of like sexiness and, and whatnot yes. to it but she also acts well she also like performs well it's not just about like hey she happens to be very like, no she's gorgeous then, but you know? but her performance of is is she face value is she not yeah. <clears throat> is really good it's like it's kind of like the the cyberpunk version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels almost. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that that actress just passed away. Oh, Glenn Headley. Yes. Yeah. Rest in peace, Glenn Headley. Rest She's in peace. um a lot a lot of movies I like yeah. um Dick uh Dick, Dick Tracy Dick Tracy, of course. Which is a movie I like <clears throat> a lot, like unironically. She also was always kind of in my psyche quite a bit because she co starred in um the film adaptation of Breakfast of Champions, which, which isn't is a movie. great. I like that movie, but it's something I own the DVD. I watch all. So it's like it's one of those movies. There's always there's something there that keeps me watching. I know at least once a year. Yeah, there's there, there's something there. So. It's it. I I like it. Yeah. I like it, and I've read probably every Kurt Vonnegut book. Oh, it's awesome. So okay. Well, I didn't love Time Quake, but most people didn't. Um, but also, they live. I was thinking about because it's in, it's in um, the per, the Pervert's Guide to Ideology mm-hmm. goes through a bunch of classic movies. Sure, like it. There's this um, Taxi Driver, Cabaret, um, Jaws, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, 
Um, but also, it amazed me. Did you know that um, Jaws was Fidel Castro's favorite movie? No, I had no idea. Yeah, that he, he that he was he he believed that it was that it, that the that the Jaws the shark mm-hmm. was um, <clears throat> imperial capitalism. Okay, I believe I believe he would think that. Yeah, because you could also see, you'd like you know good cinema, or even like let me say effective cinema. Or effective storytelling allows because you could you could look at that movie and also say how oh, that shark is socialism. Um, a lot of people believe that Star Wars was created as as anti-socialist propaganda. Okay. And it's not hard to see that. Yeah. You know, with the the Death Star and the goose stepping and the <clears throat> yeah. the you know the the vanguard that doesn't show himself and the collective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you could also look at all of that as the same opposite, or yes, um, yeah. I was just getting ready to say that. Like if you, even if you, and and I was going to say effective because, like, I don't know if you're a big fan of the Hunger Games trilogy. I only, I, I saw the first one and the third one, so I think that kind of says it. Well, there's know. there's four of them. No, I know. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah, I've seen all of them. I read the books. Um, I read the first book. You know, you can. I read that book and I'm like, oh, this is what happens when you let conservatism take over. But like, I've I have friend acquaintances who lean right who are like, oh, this this is what happens when 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 neoliberalism takes over. When the libtards, so, when the libtards take over, and the snowflakes and the broke flakes and the cucks and all that stuff, yeah, take over. And I'm like, so that's effective. That's effective storytelling. If you know, oh, and it and it talks about the bureauc- the bureaucratic nightmares of Brazil. Um, Terry Gilliam is is definitely uh, that that dude. That dude's hits are very good, mm-hmm. but he has he has some he has some some close calls. That's being nice, but you know, at the end of the day, his his. He'll always be remembered for his good stuff. Over, you know, I think <clears throat> the thing with I think about this. Uh, but a lot of people bit. don't haven't even seen his good stuff. You think? Like, like, um, what, like, what are we talking about when you say good stuff? He did Time Bandits, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, Baron Van Munchausen. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people haven't seen those two. Uma Thurman, Amherst, four one three. Yeah. Um, the thing about Time Bandits is, though, I I found that. That's a movie I think a lot of people have seen, except they're just quiet about it, because I remember IFC was doing Terry Gilliam at midnight years ago, and I went to go see Time Bandits, and I just posted a little Facebook status, like, oh, Time Bandits, haven't seen this since I was a kid, and so many people who I didn't even expect were, like, commenting on it, quoting it, I was like, okay, so maybe this is just something that people either, like, just don't talk about, or it's one of those movies where they forgot the name of it, and they're just like, what's the movie with the little kids, and the little people, and all this stuff, um... I think that movie has a small audience. Not the, not maybe the audience I feel it deserves, but I think I, you know, he tried really hard to make a Watchmen movie that I wish he had made, and he tried really hard to be the director for the Harry Potter movies. Okay, the Harry Potter thing I didn't know. I didn't know. About yeah, that. yeah, he fought really hard, and they weren't having it. He's just, that he's, was also right around the La Mancha stuff. So. Yeah, I was, well, I was just about to bring, even before that, basically from Fearing, Los, Fearing Logan in Las Vegas on, he just hasn't had the best of luck. Even with movies that, that did get made, like Tideland is a movie that got made, you know, the, the Jeff Bridges movie, but didn't even come out to what, a long time after it was made, for various whatever reasons. Then, you know, the, the Don Quixote film, or the, the La Mancha movie, 
Um, of course, the unfortunate passing of Heath Ledger in his, you know, in, in the, uh, the Doctor Parnassus movie. Yeah, just just and a bit the, of bad the, luck. The Brothers know. Grimm, <clears throat> Brothers Grimm, being yeah. um, not my favorite movie. Mine, mine, same here, basically. But um, have you watched the Twelve Monkeys TV show? No, neither I, I have I. No. I wonder if it's good. Yeah, I don't know. The movie's Nothing good. Is, movie's really, really good. Probably Brad Pitt's best performance, I, I think. Um, Maybe next to Tree of Life, but I, it, it I, might trump Tree of Life, y- I think. You know, um, the movie is is escaping me for some reason, mm-hmm. because I, I, I have memory problems, so sometimes I'll just like... Um, things will escape me. Sure. Uh, all right. Um, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, racist joke. Uh, oh, true romance. True romance. Brad, Brad Pitt's the guy great. On the couch? Yeah, he's great. He is. Okay, of course. Yeah. He's I great. just don't know if it's def- defining. It's defining. But it shows his hero. range, I guess. It shows his range. Sure. I mean, also, like, I'm an unabashed Benjamin Button fan, so mm-hmm. I, li- I like his performance in that. Sure. I just read this article that tried to say that Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a conservative film. How so? I'm that, curious. That that at the end of the day, it's about um, how people regret being loose with their bodies and partying and fast sex. Which, in a way, I understood, but I don't think it's necessarily a film that espouses conservative yeah, and I just 80s think values. Being young, then it's like, oh, why did I do that afterwards? I, that, yeah, I don't associate that with conservatism either. I sometimes see things like that, like as a film writer who has a film site, and sometimes, especially with my movie comparisons, I like to dig a lot. But sometimes, like analogies and analyses of of, of film, sometimes makes reading about movies not fun. Like I, I I like a good reach sometimes when it when it can be done really well, but sometimes. It's just like, come on. It's a well prepared article, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but it but it it relies on this fallacy that Cameron Crowe was somehow trying to say that we're supposed to feel bad about our explorations. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that was what Cameron Crowe was trying to say with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfortunate that people think that you know, I think you're gonna have a hard time having people I've definitely been very political this episode, so if this bothers you, I'm I'm not sorry, but bear with me. Um, uh, that was a honk. You know, if you're saying that at the bottom of your argument for conservatism is that you feel bad after seeking pleasure, I think maybe you need to revisit some things. Yeah. You know, I don't think... You necessarily have to be ashamed of your your sexual experiences when you're getting to know yourself, and you know this whole notion. I mean that that you should just be afraid and and resent your own pleasure is uh, is unfortunate. It causes repression sometimes. It, yeah. bad repression. You know, I've always appreciated <clears throat> Joey Lauren Adams. Um, Speech, you know, like towards the middle end of chasing Amy, you know, after the hockey game when they have the fight and he confronts her in a in a shitty way oh. about all of her past stuff, yeah, and how her and like when she's like, "Those are my choices," and then like he's you know he's trying to be like, "No, they used you," which is of course what a guy would say to a girl in a sexual thing, and then she 
pops back immediately with like, no, I use them because she was exploring herself and she exactly. had no like you know re- uh, reservation. She was sixteen, seventeen, like you know whatever. The, the male gaze doesn't give agency to female sexuality. No, and that's not cool. Yeah, it's scary too because it makes um, young girls too. It goes back to what you said. It's that that repression, that shame, that like you know. Just, even just keep keeping it in movies, it's always the idea. I mean, these movies exist, don't be wrong, but just the large majority, it's about these guys trying to, like, lose their virginity or guys trying to have sex, and these women are just a conquest. So I think that's why I appreciate a film like Claire Denis' U.S. Go Home or its, it's cinematic spiritual uh, first cousin or sibling, uh, Alan Clark's Rita Sue and Bob 2, which is a movie I discussed on Wrong Reel last week. Where it's a both movies are about these two young girls, underage girls, who are trying to like take control, young enough, like in their 14, 15, 16 sure. year old ages, who are, I don't know, I, maybe mature. Mature is a good word to be like, I want to explore uh, my sexuality, I want to have sex, like all that stuff can get a little dangerous and whatever, yeah. but I do like, because, you know, and do you know why? Because, yeah, like when you start like the age of 14 and 15, it's young, but with, if you flip it around to, to men, to guys, like, oh, that's cute. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, that's, you, you know, yeah, so, or like, you know, you watch like, like people love super bad. Yeah, of course, of course. And that's late in the game. That's late, but the, they're like 17 year olds. And, yeah. Um, but even like, uh, what was that 90s film with Liv Tyler stealing beauty? Yes. That's like, one of, that's one of her better <clears throat> movies. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful movie. Sure. I haven't and watched it in a while. It's, yeah. I haven't watched it since it came out. Mm. But, um, fuck. And I was thinking of this other movie, but then I just, then I forgot for a second. So I'm just going to talk and talk until I remember. Why don't you talk for a second? Sure. No, going back to... Oh, uh, what, I knew him oh, more. I knew him more. Oh, hell. Oh, hell, I know some I more. Mean, oh, Maurice Pialat. Yes. One of his one of his masterpieces. Yes, yes, I love that movie. I love this. I love the music using that movie the too. Mood, but music, that's, and that's a movie about a woman figuring out her own sexual agency yeah. and the beautiful, well, the beautiful now uh, Sandrine Bonnier. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk. Yeah, she, you know, she was, she was beautiful. Now she was beautiful. Um, Maurice Pialat. Yes. Yeah, he he directed my favorite Van Gogh movie, probably. Oh no shit! Really? Van Gogh. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, okay. Van. You know, I have a. I wouldn't say I have a good taste in art, but I have. I'm. I know some things. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, uh, Francis Bacon, Van Gogh, and. Um, Bruegel the Elder are my favorite painters. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Um, I'm a big fan of their work. To- Sandrine Bonnier and Maurice Pialat together uh, under the Son of Satan, Police, and I know some more. Those are um, those are very much movies that yeah, I-, I love when those guys work together. And and the way she, I always love listening to today uh, Sandrine Bonnier talk about Maurice Pialat because he was like kind of a father figure to her. And in my <clears throat> going back a few a few. Uh, episodes but in the piece that I wrote about Clouds of Sils Maria I liken the relationship of Juliette Binoche's character to the director who passes away in that movie to Maurice Pilat and Sandrine Bonnier how they start they collaborated together when she was very young and they maintained this relationship up until he passed away so um yeah there's a movie of his that I that my friend Jeff recommended me called We Will Never Grow Old Together which is in my queue Mm-hmm. And when I, you know, I'm someone let me an Academy screener. So yes, when I'm when I'm done with it, I'll send it. Okay. Have you seen Bye Bye Monkey yet? No, sorry. 
I'm getting so a little frustrated with you not seeing the movies I recommend you. Well, then, at that, ca- then if you can it this week, I will watch it. I have to, no question. Because it's I'm, not I'm even like that good weekend. of a movie. It's just a bizarre film that I want to talk well, no. to you about. Well, no, we will next episode because I'm gonna. If you send it between right if I, now, if I lend you my Academy screener. If you lend me your Academy screener between now through Friday evening. I will watch it. I'm on okay. the way this weekend, but I will, I will, okay. I will do my best. Um, is also, um, I went to see Person to Person. Yeah, tell me about that. The, the new Dustin, Dustin, <laughs> So this is a fun crowd. <laughs> this is a fun crowd. Uh, you're a bunch of mushrooms because you seem like a bunch of fun guys. Um, so my my friend acquaintance, Dustin Guy DeFay, who's this very handsome fellow with piercing eyes from Salt Lake City, he made this great New York f- ensemble film mm-hmm. uh, called Person to Person, shot in sixteen millimeter, and um, it's it's uh, it's a collection of stories. Some are connected, some are not. Um, shot on sixteen millimeter, which was really really lovely and um you know it's got it's got a bunch of nice a bunch of nice people like uh Michael Sarah, mm-hmm. Tavi Jevonson, mm-hmm. Abby Jacobson, shit, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., um Michaela Watkins, Philip Baker Hall. But my friend Benny Coopersmith who owns a record store in in Red Hook. Mhm. I think I think he calls it 360 Records, but I call it uh, Swoopy's Groove Emporium. Um, I'll take you there sometime. And he's a great. I love Red Hook. He's a beautiful dude. Mm-hmm. He's a he's got a great record store. Um, he's like a celestial brother to me. Awesome. Um, and I yeah, like I couldn't like him more. <clears throat> We've been going to Red Hook a lot. Now that I have a car, going to Red Hook now it's like nothing. It's just like it's right there now. So he plays uh, essentially himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the main characters. He's and he's um, he's dating Eleanor Hendricks, who's who's a friend of mine. She was she was fantastic, and he's he's searching. He's he gets a call that um, someone has this Charlie Parker red vinyl. Mm-hmm. So that's one story. And then there's this story of these like two teenagers just like talking about themselves. And then um, Benny has someone living with him who's who just. Um, did some did some questionable things to his ex girlfriend, mm. like no that sounds bad. But I mean it's it's bad. Um, he like posted uh, pictures of her in haste, and then her brothers <coughs> her brother is coming for revenge as they should as they should. And it's handled really interestingly. And uh, Michael Sarah plays this like dude who's like a works at like the Daily News, mm-hmm. and he's trying to um, get with the girl from. Broad City, mm-hmm. Abby Jacobson. Yeah, Abby, Abby Jacobson. Yeah, I don't want to say just the girl from blah blah blah. That's yeah. that's not polite. I was raised better, but it's a very, it's a very like, you know, blue in the face New York stories, Ghostbusters, Muppets Take Manhattan, Brother from Another Planet, sort of like feeling. Damn, you just said all the right uh, said all the right words there. Yeah, one of girls from Broad City up to brother from another planet. That's, yeah, uh, that's well, all I need to it's know. just like if you 
if you you know you you were saying how sometimes the city is getting you down, and yes, and sometimes. movies and a, like a movie like a Kaj like made you remind you yes. of. I I realized watching this movie, and I don't like to be this way, but when you shoot New York in film, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it really does New York a different sort of justice. I agree. Like, and I hate saying it because I do hate. Like the, you know, the per, uh, pretension of of film, film, mm-hmm. only shooting on film. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you have the budget, it does. It just New York looks so good on film, dude. Mm-hmm. Also, the soundtrack is all like like esoteric soul jams. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's playing. It's playing at a bunch of theaters. Um. Yeah, it's 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 one of my you know there there are for the first time in like three years there are actually movies of the year for me so I don't know if oh, it's okay. I don't know if it's movie of the year for me mm-hmm. but Benny Benny Cooper Smith's performance was like my favorite performance I've seen in a movie like if you were if you notice how I giggled like Muttley throughout um, all of Val Kilmer in. Yes, I did. I giggled every scene Benny was in. That's awesome. Okay, um, good. Yeah, and it's just like a love letter to New York City. And and before you go, oh, why is a guy from Salt Lake City making a movie about New York? And I can tell you, as someone who's lived in New York for all of my 34 fucking years, is that um, New York is not a singular experience, and everyone has a right <coughs> to tell the story. And as long as they do it with respect yes. and reverence yes. and show love to this city and don't do it in a way that you're making fun of it or, or you're disgusted by it, then you're welcome. We're, the thing of people think New Yorkers are rude, we're just short and we're in a rush and we, um, we don't like you making fun of the things we love. Sure. Like... Um, when when that when the new Harlem Shake song came out, oh yeah, you know a lot of people from Harlem were just like, you know, there is a Harlem Shake. Why, like, why, you know? Look, you you just led into what I was about to say that my almost hatred for New York City has nothing to do with New Yorkers because that would be like an insult to one half of my family who were born and bred and, and all throughout you. Queens, New York, and myself too. First seven, that's as well. Uh, well, let me branch off to... So, so first of all, yeah. It's, First it's seven years not, in St. Albans. St. Albans, Queens. I was born in Booth Memorial Hospital. It's not called Booth Memorial anymore. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. Probably some NYU <laughs> shit. And all throughout uh, my teen years living in, in Amherst, Massachusetts, visiting family... 413. Coming, 413 Amherst. Um, shout out to Dinosaur Jr. and Emily Dickinson. We would um, we'd <laughs> always visit my grandmother or other fa- family members, which is where I used to copy... Um, Episodes of the Stretch and Barbito show uh, late, late at night, but yeah, my, I think my, my dislike of New York City and all of the stuff that, that that branches off from it comes from a lot of non-New Yorkers and a lot of non-New York things. So let me just kind of but that clear. to be argue to be argumentative, yeah, there are plenty of New Yorkers, forty-five included, mm-hmm. that aid to the whackness of New York. Yes, true. That's very true. I also wanted to I wanted to jump in earlier too and say about like someone a quote out of town or making a New York movie. One of your favorite New York filmmakers is from Akron, Ohio, Jim Jarmusch. So you know 
he often gets miscredited in a couple of bios. And he's cool about, he over the years, he corrects people, too. He'll say, like, I came to New York City when I was older. I grew up, high school, all that stuff. I'm from Ak- Akron, Ohio. You know what I'm saying? But he still makes some of the great, he's made some of the great New York movies. He's represented uh, uh, Brooklyn, Manhattan, uh, a few of the boroughs, you know, in his films. Too. Yeah, he, he, shows, he, he shows lots of love. Um, yes, we wish there were more black people in, in Only Levers Left Alive. Um, but at the same time, that's, I don't know if you want to call it a misstep or not, but plenty of black people have been represented in Jim Jarmusch films, period. So, like, we there's, don't even it's, want to. It's a, so I don't even want to. No, you know, I'm not yeah. dissing. I'm no, not, no, you're, I'm speaking I, for people who have, who have kind of given that. No, I'm just saying it would have been nice. Yeah. But, you know, we've been. I, you know, gentrification has been a major thread since our first episode when we had to get out of our studio. Yeah. So that's 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 been a thing and, yeah. and, a, and a movie that I've mentioned many times uh, Landlord by Hal Ashby is mm-hmm. is is one of my favorites mm-hmm. written by William Gunn it's about the the gentrification of Park Slope mm. which is funny because if you Park Slope seems like it's been gentrified it's always been a good neighborhood but in 1970 yeah it was not um, how are we on time ah, we're at, uh, over 40 minutes okay shout out to PH Pumpkinhead Park uh, Park Slope Park Slope, uh, rest in peace to uh, Philip Diaz. Yeah, uh, President Street, I believe, is Philip Diaz's way. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, he was. He was always very nice to me. And uh, likewise, we had mutual friends, and so whenever he saw me, he always. Uh, I remember one time he recognized me from the first time that I had met him years ago. We used to, bu- uh, but would bump into each other between having mutual friends being into the same event. So yeah, shout out to PH. Yeah, he was he was always very nice to me. We did it. We did some shows opening up for him, and he was always like more kind and respectful than he ever needed to be. Sure. Um, but so when I was watching the Pervert's Guide to Ideology, mm-hmm. and rest in peace, Pumpkinhead. Just um, it reminded me of a movie that I had that I rewatched because. Um, that I'm not necessarily saying is a good movie, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting one, and right. it was a cause celebre, and is definitely probably a film that like people that want to like talk about like you know movies like The Pervert's Guide to Ideology or like people that carry like the Anarchist Cookbook in their house and like like you know want to show you their Portishead vinyl and tell you how. 9-11 was an inside job and like have like original copies of like Ill Bill cassettes and like Behold a Pair Horse Alright, you're starting to describe me now, relax <laughs> You own Behold a Pair Horse? Yes, I do And I've got some Un- Ill Bill un- cassettes un- Unironically? Yeah, unironically I mean, I got it when I was very young I mean, so we whatever. all did from, yeah. listen- from listening to Goody Mob No, but like from Behold a Pair Horse Portishead vinyl, ill bills. It's like you're 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 firing shots. Well, I'm not I'm not firing shots. I'm saying there's like, because <laughs> none of those things are bad. Sure. Like I I unironically I I sent you a screenshot. I was listening to to the future is now last week. Yes. Um, I yeah. but there's definitely like people who are into conspiracies. If you like conspiracies, then nonfiction music is good for you, and you have Behold yes. a Pale Horse, yes. and maybe you've seen The Idiot's Guide to Idiot, The Pervert's Guide yeah. to Ideology. Yeah. You've definitely watched the movie V for Vendetta a bunch of times, and you probably have a DVD copy of What the Bleep Do We Know. 
What the bleep do we know? Man, I remember I was working at the video store when that came out on DVD. So Shout out to Marley Matlin. What I want to say about What the Bleep Do We Know, which I rewatched this morning, nice. uh, is, again, presents itself as a documentary. Yeah. Is by no means a documentary. No, I know, I know. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a philosophical documentary that tries to connect the dots between uh, religion and quantum mechanics. It has sure. vignettes. Yeah. It has the, the actress who was in L.A. Law a lot. No, that's what I was saying earlier. Marley Matlin. Shout oh, out to I Marley Matlin. I don't know her name. I just what? remember oh. watching... I didn't want to say, like, the deaf actress from L.A. Law, oh. but that's how I, I just remember watching L.A. Law and her being awesome. And she did a... Uh, rest in peace to my dad. I used to watch that show with my parents. I yeah. was, was going to say, though, she had a recurring role on Law & Order SVU, she was someone who had, uh, she played this doctor who herself, she was struggling with kidney disease and she was helping uh, some of her patients uh, who had the same disease, like transition, who didn't want to live, live anymore. And she was on for a couple of, of episodes. So naturally to me, uh, a guy who went through k- kidney disease, like those episodes always hit home. Um, and, yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, I want to talk more about that sometime. Sure. Like yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm always... Uh, like what is it, dirty secrets or whatever? Hmm? With oh, sh- dir- dirty pretty things. Dirty pretty things with uh, Shuatel Ejiofor yeah. and Amelie. I and don't care. She's Amelie. Audrey. T- Audrey Tattoo. Come yeah, on, Amelie. Come on. The girl from the Da Vinci Code. Sorry, kidding, kidding. Da Vinci Code was fun. Strict, I always, I saw strict, it on a plane, so it was pop, one. I was like, I don't. It's you know. popcorn filth. Um, Wait. Maybe I did. Which is the one with you and McGregor? Is that's that, is that n- the that's second not one? that's not the Da Vinci. It's Da Vinci Code, Code two, right? It's, it's actually Da Vinci Code prequel, but the movie it's a sequel. All right, well, the I book saw came that out one. first. So Angels and Demons. So I saw Angels two, and Demons. Audrey Tatu is not in that. Oh, all oh, right. Oh, she yeah, plays like the great 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 granddaughter of Jesus' brother. Right. In in the oh Paul Bettany's oh I did see Da Vinci Code. He whips him. Paul Bettany like beats himself like in his room. Shame. Yes. Shame. All right, never mind. I've seen both. I've yeah, seen both. if if uh, if Harvey Keitel in Bad Lieutenant Naked Smoke Crack was also a Catholic priest. Nice. I, I used to like. <laughs> that was a, that was a good. Holy Smoke, Reservoir Dogs, Bad Lieutenant. That was that was, that was yeah, a but like, like thing. Uh, have you smoked? Pe- no, sm- uh, I no. <laughs> smoking crack and standing naked like Jesus and crying, yes. like like Bad Lieutenant is like a thing that's fun, but you don't want to make actual fun because like I know actual we know people whose lives have been destroyed by drugs. That scene, you that kidding? scene is funny. How about the woman who wrote Bad Lieutenant, who's in this, who's in that very scene we're talking about? Sure. Zoe, Zoe Lund, Jesus, sorry, Zoe Lund. She she passed shortly after Bad Lieutenant, I believe. Rest in peace. Yeah. So it tries to connect the dots between quantum mechanics and yes. religion, and it uses vignettes, and it uses like this this age old like story about like how you can pray to change water molecules, or like, and then you start like looking, and you're like, wait. Most of these people that are claiming all this science shit, they're doctors, but, like, they're not doctors of science. They're, like, anesthesiologists and shit. Mm, mm-hmm. And then you you find out slowly that the film is largely presented by, like, students of Judy Zebra Knight, who claims that she channels a 35,000-year-old being called Ramtha, the Enlightened One. I didn't know all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Keep talking. <laughs> 
So, like the film, the film <laughs> is 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 gives all these people stuff to like pretend like they're not to give them loaded stuff to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's based on pseudoscience, right? Spiritual quantum mechanics. But I don't fucking know anything about physics. Yeah. Like not not that sort of level. Yeah. I I I I know enough to in, to impress a drunk person about the ten dimensions. Sure. Um, and I'm and any of you eleven dimension truthers can. I don't I don't I don't do the eleventh dimension. Fucking assholes. I do the tenth dimension. But yeah, you didn't know that. No, you didn't know that it was like. I just like, knew the movie at face value and never really like dove into did it. Did you watch too it? Hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I watched it in two thousand four, but I watched it. Yeah, well, there's and then there was what the bleep do we know further down the rabbit hole, which is a four hour version, which I saw many years ago Mm -hmm. because like this 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 person who I fancied wanted to see it, and I, you know, been there. Yeah, you know, um, when when my father was around and we were talking about the birds and the bees. He told me that in college, he was he was a socialist, an anarchist, a mime, a juggler, a conservative. And I was like, why? He was like, I was trying to date a socialist, an anarchist, huh. a mime. It's funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't. I don't. I you know I think some of our our dad views of stuff is 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 from a different time and place mm-hmm. but I've definitely presented myself differently or watched things that I might not have watched because I fancied someone yeah it's funny at my father's funeral this is actually a funnier story my dad's best friend spoke and he talked about how they first met uh, they were both looking at the same attractive woman and for like a split second this is funny now but for a split second I got annoyed because like what the fuck my mom's right here because I only associate my mother with, with my dad no but obviously my father was a man so I'm sure there are other w- women in his life but I remember thinking like show some respect and then shortly after that funeral I found out that my father was married before my mom and I had no idea really it was one of those things where so I my aunts my uncles my mother everyone's reaction was yeah what you didn't know I was like what the fuck no I didn't know what the fuck yeah and it was this whole thing for like a good few minutes where they were, it was and it boiled up to oh sorry I guess no one told you it was just like one of those that's how of family things. shit works though yeah, yeah I remember I was talking to my to my to my my second cousin and I was like oh you know well I have I have two first cousins and they were like you have three I was like uh right okay oh you yeah, know, yeah. Like secret first weddings or like other, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just things happen and they're they were important then, they're not necessarily now. Even to go to to piggyback to like the chasing Amy stuff, like our passes are past. Yes. It's it shapes us but it d- doesn't necessarily define who we are. I agree. You know. Well, like, it does. Yeah, but I mean but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It though. doesn't have to be a bad thing. And also, there's nothing we can do about it. That, too. That, too. So, you know, um, we can... We, 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 as to get on some what the bleep do we know shit, mm-hmm. we can shape our own realities on how we want to be. I need to... Yeah, these last few weeks, I, I, I think I need to... With these last few weeks, I think I need to adopt that more. 
Or yeah. or just like understand that we have you we either have like all the control like on some Oprah Winfrey shit that yes. we're just shaping our our things, but we can only shape our things if we if we're aware how rigged the system is. Um, and I think I don't know. There's no right way. I agree. I I, I always push back. I always fight back because you know. I, I go to I, I do therapy I go to therapy and I, I suggest anyone who it doesn't it's not every like, everybody be, everybody should go to therapy and I have to say too it doesn't necessarily have to be towards a traumatic event or something you don't even have to preface it a lot of well I say that to say you know even today I, what I was getting at is even today I'm so casual about it that still to this day when I mention it to people immediately it's oh what happened you know what I'm saying and it's like nothing like in particular. Because I, I remember a couple years ago, my old job, like two years ago, my old job, I happened to mention how, hey, on Mondays, I usually stay after work an extra hour because I have a therapy appointment at six. So I'm usually here late if you need me to do e- extra stuff. And then she goes, oh, is everything all right? And I was like, yeah, I just want to figure, I'm just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, here's, you know, the, here's the thing. It's no secret you you had a kidney transplant. That? Oh, yeah. You have to take medicine every single day. Yes, I do. To keep your to keep your kidneys in check. Yes. I I take that same thing as how I'd take an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. You keep things in check. I'm not yeah. comparing the same. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying the med, that regulation is regulation. Yep. Um, so America is always so fucked. Fucked. No, I don't think we're fucked. Well, I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, so, we're always fucked. Fucked. We're always fucked. Yeah, proper fucked. <laughs> uh, we're always focused on, you know, on on how to get rid of stuff. We don't think about preventative recourse. So, you know, I agree. I you know I I I, I do acupuncture every week. I do physical therapy. That's I do um, I do cupping. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. If you ever have tension. And, you know, um, I'm trying to, and, and I'm going to start a new therapy thing. And that's just, yeah, it's important. It's a good thing. And I, I recommend it to everybody because we're, we're, we're living stones. I agree. And I think it has to happen just from progression. Think about, like, even... That was like our, an architect. Our, architecture. Huh? That was like an architecture metaphor. That's why I breezed right past it. Architecture has not been kind to me these last few weeks. But, um, um no, but, but I, I, I like that. But... I just think, like, as a society, therapy is important, too, just as progression, because, like, look at our parents who, even back then, just, like, I don't know, 40 years ago, like, in certain circles, in certain families, therapy was just like, wow, what is that? You know, like, it was it was a little frowned upon. It was a combination. It was either frowned upon or it was that only for rich people, you, you know, kind of thing. And I think if more people do therapy, like, more thinking, more thought, more dealing with things better you know will will happen yeah because it'll it'll at at the onset create a lot of introspection which can lead to anxiety mm-hmm. but the juice is worth the squeeze in this situation this yes. ain't no pomegranate shit no. but with that <laughs> we gotta go pinlandempire.com yes. at pinlandempire scottthrow.com I'm back the Russian hackers ain't got nothing on me I'm fucking back at scott Th- underscore thorough I think I don't know 917 Psych.
I think he knows I'm on to him now He knows I'm working for the government 